This message was recorded live at Elevate Church in Erie, Pennsylvania. As followers of Christ, we follow a God who was crucified, dead, buried, got up, walked out of the tomb, demonstrating that there's nothing that you and I can't walk out of. He doesn't love me based on my performance. God loves me based on my position. It matters so much that we imitate Christ and we live out those principles. There's nothing that you could do. There's there's no great sin that you could have ever committed that would be a barrier between you and Jesus. To learn more about Elevate, how you can get connected, or how you can support the work that Elevate is doing in Erie, visit elevateerie.tv. Church, would you bow your head with me tonight? God, I pray that in this moment, you would meet us right where we are, that you would open up heaven so we could hear your voice speak directly to our hearts, that you would remove all the barriers that we're up against in our lives today. No matter what it is we brought in through these doors, God, we want to lay that aside so you can speak in that still small voice so we can hear you. We want to be changed. We want to bring change, God. We want you to move in our heart, and we never want to be the same when you speak to us. We love you, Jesus. We're excited about your word tonight. I pray that we would take this word and hide it in our hearts, and it would move each person in this room to action. We pray this in your name. Amen. Everyone said amen. Amen, amen. You guys can have a seat tonight. Woo, 5 p.m. How are you guys doing? All the people that get to sleep in on Sunday. What's up? So you should be ready to go, right? Everybody ready to go? Uh, We're going to dive in tonight. If you have your Bibles, open it to Matthew chapter 25. Matthew 25, that's where we're going to be for the majority of the night. We're in the series called Open House where we're really talking about the the structure, the process that this house, this church, is built on. And there are four things, really, that that are kind of the the strategy behind what we do. And the first is encounter God. We talked about the first week. We, We want to come every week here at this church and have this moment, create this environment where you can encounter God. So he can speak to your heart. He can move in your life. He can change you. And then we also said last week, it's this process. Once you encounter God, well, that begins the journey. That's not the finish line. That's the starting line. But now you have to experience freedom. And we all carry these things in our lives. And we're, we're in this, this journey of experiencing freedom bit by bit, becoming more like Christ in our lives. Tonight, we're going to talk about the third step, and that's really embracing purpose. Embracing purpose. And this is my bet. As we dive in tonight, most people in this room, you know what your purpose is. Like you, you know like that there's something that God's put on your heart or in your life or, or there's just something that, that you feel called to do, but oftentimes we get sidetracked. Oftentimes we're distracted. I'll put it this way. My wife, Kristen, lover, best, best, I was going to say best wife I've ever had, only wife I've ever had. She would not appreciate that. But from time to time, she'll give me a list to go to the grocery store, all right? Because she hates going to the grocery store. Like, we all hate going to the grocery stores in our family. So she'll give me a list, and I'll pick some stuff up, and she'll give me, like, 12 things. And what she'll do is she'll text me this list, and she'll text them to me in order of, of like, how I get there in the grocery store. You know what I'm talking about? Because I need all the help I can get. So she'll, she'll send me, like, to the produce first. You know, if you're going to Wegmans, some produce first, and then around the backside, you know, this thing. So she'll text them to me in order, like 12 things. And I'll be going down these aisles, and I'll start to get distracted. And I'll start to see things, and I'm like, why isn't that on the list? Like, 
why, why did she not put Cocoa Puffs on the list, right? That should be on the list. There must be a, an error, you know? So I'll, I'll grab some of those, and then I'll, I'll pass something else. Oh, there's a Kiwi. Kiwi's not on the list. And I'll grab a Kiwi, and I'll grab all this other stuff, and I'll come home with two items that were actually on the list and like 57 other items that weren't on the list because I get distracted extremely easily. Now, many of you in your life, it's the same way. We all get sidetracked. You, you feel like maybe you're headed in the right direction or you have a purpose, but oftentimes we get distracted. And it's not that you get distracted by bad things. Most of the time we get distracted by good things that keep us from going after the great things that God has for us. And so if we can tonight, I'm gonna start out with this idea. If we can wrap our minds around this concept, it will keep you, it will keep me from getting distracted from getting sidetracked along the way because many of us have bought into the great American lie. Now, before I share this with you, here's, here's a warning. You're gonna get mad at me. Some of you that are parents, you're going to get mad because you tell this to your kids all the time. Maybe you said this to your children today. Those of you that are teachers, you've said this to your students, but this, this is the great American lie that we've bought into and it says this. If you believe in yourself, and you try really hard, you can do anything you wanna do and be anything you wanna be. Doesn't that sound like, that's beautiful, right? The problem with that is it's a lie. It's not true. And you know how we know it's not true? Because we watch shows like American Idol. And I'm not talking about, I'm talking about the early, you know, the auditions, right? And you got people up there that think they can sing. And they, they've been told their whole life that they can sing like angels. And they're, they're so wonderful. And they get on their show and they're terrible. They should be taken out back and shot, right? Because they're just that bad. But they've bought into this lie. And many people, many people have wrecked their lives believing this lie. Well, if I just believe in myself. You know, just all I have to do is believe in myself and I can be anything I want to be and do anything that I want to do. Growing up, I believed in myself. I thought I was going to be the vanilla version of Michael Jordan. <laughs> I'm serious. I thought I, I wanted to be an NBA basketball player. And if I worked really hard and if I just believed in myself, then I could do it. The only problem with that was that I'm short, I'm pudgy, which is the nice way of saying fat, right, okay? And, and I know that because my, my pants on the back of them, they said like husky size. My mom always got me huskies, all right? So growing up, I got huskies. That's fine, whatever, you can laugh at that. Doesn't hurt my feelings too much. But I was terrible at basketball. So it didn't matter how much I believed in myself. It didn't matter that I was never going to be able to do that, and we bought into that lie. But let me share with you some truth. Here's what I want you to write down is that every person in this room was created on purpose for purpose. Every person in this room was created by God on purpose for a purpose. And you need to embrace what that purpose is. In fact, Psalm 139 tells us that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. And some of you, maybe you were told you were an accident. Maybe you were told that you were unplanned, but God knit you together in your mother's womb. Before the foundations of this earth, he created you on purpose for a purpose. And that's what I wanna talk about because you were created on, on, on purpose for a purpose to make a difference in the world. And we're gonna look at this parable found in Matthew 25. Jesus told us this parable. A parable really is kind of a, a, 
a story with a point to it. And oftentimes he would reveal some, some truth with it. And in this specific parable, he's talking about the end times. He says, et, um, again, it, it meaning the end time. So this is, this is a big deal. This is talking about the end of the days, you know, his return, what's going to happen when. So this was a big deal. He says, again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. We're going to talk about that in just a second. But, but know that if you are a follower of Jesus, that you are both generally blessed and specifically blessed. That as soon as you call on the name of Jesus and you put your trust in him for salvation, that you are generally blessed. That, that you have now the full rights and privileges of any son or daughter you know, of God. So you are generally blessed in that sense, but we're all specifically blessed as well. Verse 15 says this, to one, he gave five bags of gold, to another, two bags, and to another, one bag, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five bags more. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's Money. Now we see in this parable that God blessed everyone. They were all blessed. It said the master entrusted his wealth to them. Each guy in this story was blessed. They were all blessed generally with, with wealth, but they were also blessed specifically according to their own ability. One guy was blessed with, with five bags of gold. And if you kind of equated that to today, that would be like $5 million. So this is a big deal. This is not a small you know, amount of money. So five million, one was five million, the other was two million, one was one million. They all were blessed specifically as well. Here's what you need to take away from that. If you're a follower of Jesus, if you've placed your trust in him, you are specifically blessed. You have been given a gift, a spiritual gift by God. Some people have been given more than one. No one has been given them all, but you have been given at least one spiritual gift by God. God in order to use and embrace, embrace your purpose. Now, if you're not a follower of Jesus, and I realize that's not everyone in the room, that, that some of you are, you're still checking this thing out. You're trying to figure out who Jesus is, what he means, you know, for your life. You're kicking the tires of the Christian faith, and I'm so glad that you're here tonight. I really am. You're so welcome here. I hope you, you, you consider you know, who he is and what he means to your life. But if you haven't given your life to him, here's what you need to know. As soon as you do, he blesses you. He blesses you right from the start. You're generally blessed. He starts blessing you. And some people will say, yeah, well, Jesus just wants something from me. He wants to take something from me. Which I would say, first of all, what do you think you have that, that he wants that he couldn't just take from you anyway? And second of all, he does want to take something from you. He wants to take your guilt, your shame, your pain, your regret, your busted up life, and replace it with joy, peace, and hope in Christ. And if you're going to amen tonight, that's a great place to do it, right? He wants to do that for you. And he will do that for you in an instant the moment you call on his name. But that's getting me off track. So I love that about God's word. Now, as you embrace your purpose, that really is like the, the third step in the process of what this church is about. You encounter God, experience freedom, you start to embrace that purpose and you begin to realize that, that you weren't just saved from something, that you're actually saved for something. 
that God wants to do in something in and through your life. You've been uniquely created for a purpose. Now, the bad news. The bad news is for some of you, you're not going to be able to take this message and apply it immediately. You're going to have to go home. You're going to have to pray. You're going to have to seek God and what he wants to do in and through your life. Others of you tonight, it's going to be like a light bulb. Like you know immediately what your action step is, what God wants to do in and through your life. And I want to give you five questions. Five questions that you have to answer in order to begin and embrace your journey. The first question is this. You have to ask yourself, what brings me joy? Write that down. What brings me joy? When I first started following Jesus, um, and by the way, being a Christian is not praying the prayer to get out of hell. Like, dear God, I don't want to go to hell. That's not, that's not what a Christian is. That's, that's someone who prayed, dear God, I want to get out of hell, right? Being a Christian is surrendering your life to Christ and saying, hey, I'm going to daily live for you. I'm going to surrender my life. You know, I'm going to surrender my plans that, Jesus, I'm going to live for you. That's what, that's what it means to be a follower of Jesus and doing your best to do that. And the Holy Spirit comes and empowers you to live that kind of life. So when I first got, like, saved and truly started to follow Jesus, like, I didn't have a problem with Jesus like, I loved getting to know who the person of Jesus was and his compassion that he had for people, and I wanted to follow him. The problem I had was with the so-called Christians. And here's why. A lot of them were, were just mean. You ever met a mean Christian? I've told you guys this before, um, but I used to work. I used to wait tables. This was a long time ago when we called ourselves waiters, and now it's not you know, politically correct, call them waiters, they're servers. But I used to wait tables at Chili's. And the day that no one wanted to work as a waiter was on Sundays. Do you know why? Because the entire body of Christ came into your restaurant. <laughs> and they were mean. They, they would tell you they just got done worshiping God, and then they would sit there, and they would be mean, no joy in their life. They, they all looked constipated literally they did they didn't need Jesus they needed some fiber you know in their diet they needed something to get some stuff moving they were just mean and I remember thinking if that's what following Jesus looks like count me out count me out there was no joy in their life and the other reason the other reason was and this is the same reason many of you had a problem with the church and Christianity it was because growing up I had a drug problem my mama drugged me to church every Monday morning, or Sunday morning, <laughs> Sunday night, Wednesday night, right? Anytime the doors were open, I was drugged to church. And so I remember being in high school, I'd go out and party and, and be stupid on Friday and Saturday and Sunday morning. My mom would drag me again to church every single week. And I just remember thinking too, man, if, if this is what it means to follow Jesus, like I'm never going to have any fun. Like, God just wants me to not have any more fun, that I'm going to have to give up any kinds of fun that I'll ever have. I'll probably have to move to Africa and become a missionary or to India or at the very least Gerard, you know, and become a missionary. <laughs> sorry, sorry. I always pick on the Wattsburg people and they get mad about that, so sorry, Gerard. But I thought I would be miserable. But then this is what I read in John 10.10. 10. And Jesus says this, that the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. 
Your version might say an abundant life. And this is what hit me. Jesus wants me to be filled with joy. He wants me, to, and we're going to learn in this parable, like people say he doesn't want you happy. The master says, come share in the Father's, in the master's happiness. He wants you to be filled with joy. In fact, the best indication that you are a follower of Jesus, that you know him, is that your life is just filled with joy, that you can't stand it. And if you are serving the purpose that God wired you to serve, then your life's going to have joy. It's going to be the best thing you ever did. You can't imagine doing anything else. So the question again is, what brings you joy? What is it that really brings you this deep sense of joy? The second question is this, what am I great at? What am I good at? Now somebody, when I ask you that question, there's somebody in this room, this is what you're tempted to do. When you hear that question, what am I great at? You're tempted to sit there and go, Nothing. Okay, Eeyore. <laughs> Glad you're here. Here's what you need to know. When you say that, when you say that there's nothing that, that you're good at, there's nothing that you do well, you might as well look God in the face and call him a liar. Because we just learned that, that you are fearfully and wonderfully Made that you were made on purpose with a purpose that he custom designed you. He created you for a specific thing. So when you sit there and say, there's nothing I can do good, you know, that, that God must have screwed up when he made me, it's just not true. It's just not true. In fact, every person in this room is a 10 at something. There's something that you just, you just kill. Some of you, you're organizers, right? You got that gift of administration. You just, you can organize the heck out of stuff. And if somebody was to come up to you tonight and say, hey, will you come home with me and help me organize my closet, you would lose your mind. That would be like the best night of your life, right? Because you're just bent that way. You love systems and structures and processes. My wife, Kristen, that's, that's her to a T. I told you guys not that long ago that like her perfect day would, would be a Dr. Pepper in one hand and a label maker in the other hand. Okay, and I'm serious about that. She loves, you know, organization. For me, like I would rather serve as a speed bump in the parking lot. <laughs> Seriously. Then they have to go through that. Like, I'm not bent that way, but, but some of you, you are. And you need to use that gift for the kingdom. You really do. That's something that God has given you. Others of you, you have the gift of mercy. Like somebody comes up to you and they're just crying and, and you just start crying. You don't even know why you're crying. You're just, you're crying with them. You feel their hurt. You feel their pain, right? You love people deeply. You love to help them work through their, their problems, their, their issues. And it's not the most glamorous, right, thing in the body of Christ, but it's extremely needed. You have a gift of mercy. Others of you, you're, you're creative. That's, that's a gift. Like you love to write music, to do art, you know, to write poetry. You like to do graphic design and, you know, things on the web or web code. I think that's, that's, that's something, too, that people like to do. But you're creative. In fact, I'll tell you this, if that's you, the first time the Holy Spirit shows up and fills someone um, is in the book of, it's Exodus chapter 31, where Bezalel and Oholiab were filled by the Spirit in order to create. To create, they're craftsmen. So there's something in this room, there, there's something in you that you're good at. There's something that you are a 10 
in. And this is what Scripture says in, in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10. And this is true about every Christian. He's talking to a body of believers. And he says, each of you should use whatever gift you have received, watch this, to serve. To serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. So here's what's true about you. You've been given a spiritual gift by God, at least one, for the purpose of serving others in the context of the local church. Every person who's a follower of Christ, that's true of you. You're a tenant something. Now, before we move on to the next questions, before you move on to the next questions, you have to answer the first two. You gotta answer the first two because here's the reality. There's some people in here that something you do brings you joy but you might not be so good at. Have you ever been, you ever been to that church where somebody gets up to sing and 20 seconds into the song, you start thinking, oh dear God. <laughs> you been there? They'll get up to sing, I'm serious, they'll get up to sing and they'll say, Jesus laid this on my heart. And you start listening and you're like, Jesus, you laid that on their heart? That's terrible. That's awful. It might be bringing them joy, but it's bringing everyone else pain. You know, why, why God, would you lay that on their heart? Now, some of you are getting mad. You're like, well, that person, they, they probably have a great heart, and they probably do have a great heart. The problem is I can't hear their heart. I can hear their voice, right? And it's terrible. It's awful. So some of you, there's something that you enjoy that you might not be a 10 at, maybe, maybe like a 2 or something like that. But on the flip side... There's some people, man, you're good. You're great at something that, that you don't enjoy, that you don't like doing. So you have to answer both of those questions before you move on to number three. Number three is this. What keeps me up at night? What keeps me up at night? Like what bothers you so bad that you, that you lay awake in bed thinking about it? Or, or what dream do you have in your heart? God's put something on your heart that keeps you awake. What, what's that burden that you have? What bothers you? And I'm not, I'm not talking about, you know, people who drive slow in, in the left lane. Bothers you, right? Or, or men who wear capri pants. That bothers you. I'm not talking about that. That bothers my wife, by the way. Really bad. Really bad. I can't believe he said that. You know, the guys in capri pants are going to leave. That's fine. I'm not scared of the guys who wear capri pants. All right? They can go home. They can drive their Prius home. They can go eat some hummus and write a poem. I don't care. All right? That's fine. The guys in Dickies, those guys scare me. All right? I'm not even going to mess with the guys in Dickies. But what bothers you so bad? What is that burden that you have that keeps you up at night? You just can't sleep. Something that breaks your heart, that moves you to take action. I'll explain it, I'll explain it this way. How many of you remember the cartoon Popeye? You're old like me. All right, good, good, good. Popeye, this, this was a cartoon that was on. I used to watch all the time. And I think, I think the idea of this cartoon was to try to get kids to eat their spinach. Never happened for me. But every episode was the same, all right? Bruto, that big guy, would steal Popeye's girlfriend olive oil. And I have to be honest, every time that happened, I was like, Popeye, Bruto did you a favor, bro. <laughs> Because she's like the homeliest girl 
on the face of the earth, right? Is she not? And she had this voice that was awful. But every, every episode, Bruno would steal Pop olive oil. Popeye would go all crazy. Popeye would get beat up until finally he would say this statement. He said, I've had all I can stand and I can't stand no more, right? You have to find that thing. You have to find that place. You have to have that Popeye moment where you say, you know what? That's happening in the world and it's not right. That's not right. I have to do something about that. And that's something I'm going to do. I'm not going to delegate it to someone else. I'm going to take responsibility for it. You got to find your Popeye moment where you say, that's all I can stand. And I can't stand anymore. It just keeps you up at night. I have a a, a friend who, who says it this way. When you find your misery, you'll find your ministry. I love that. When you find that, that burden, when you find your misery, you'll find your ministry. In the Old Testament book of Nehemiah, we find the wall of Jerusalem, you know, had, had been torn down for about 150 years or so. We're going to talk about this next week some more when we talk about engaging our world. I'm just, I can't wait to do that. But Nehemiah, he finds this out about the walls. Somebody comes and says, hey man, you know, this is what's going on. And immediately in chapter one, he he, he weeps. He says, that's not right. And he prays to God and he fasts and he says, you know what? I can't stand this. I got to do something about it. And by the end of the book, man, he's, he's led this, this group of people. He's rallied the troops and they've rebuilt the entire wall. One person, one person decided that that, that wasn't right. You know, one person can make a difference. One person who just takes on their purpose, engages the world, can make a difference when they take action on what breaks their heart. Your misery, your misery points to your ministry. I think about Mother Teresa. Here's a picture of her up here. Mother Teresa uh, went to the streets of Calcutta in India, and her heart was just broken. She saw the amount of poverty uh, and the people with leprosy, and she comes home and she, she gets rid of everything and moves there and devotes her life to serving the poor in India. And there's a story where this, this couple of tourists were out there watching her, and she was, she was like washing the wounds of a leper, and they were taking her picture and, and all this stuff, and one of them looks at the other one and says, you couldn't pay me a million dollars to do that. And Mother Teresa heard her, And she looks up and she says, you couldn't pay me a million dollars to do it either. When you find your purpose, when you realize this is that thing that keeps you awake at night, it's not about how much money you make. It's about the difference that you can make. So what is it for you? You gotta answer that question. What is that thing that keeps you up at night? You gotta have your Popeye moment. For me and my wife, Kristen, really that moment came for us in about 2011 where we just so deeply wanted to create an environment to have a church where we could invite our unchurched friends to, where we could point people to Jesus without pointing out their faults and their failures, right? Where they could come through these doors and, and, and the only barrier that would be in front of them would be the cross and they'd have to do something about it. Not about the people who were wearing the cross who were pointing in judgment against them. 
And we, we just wanted to do anything so, so we could create a space where people far from God could reach their full potential in Christ. And sometimes people will come up to me and they'll say, you know, I invited such and such to church today. And they, they come from this other church. They already go to some church, but they came here and, and they hated it here. They hated you. They didn't like those joggers that you wear. You know, they, they hated the way you talk. They hated the band. They hated it. it was just too loud. They didn't like anything about the way we do church. And with all due respect, this is what I'll tell them. I couldn't care less how church people feel about the way we do church. Couldn't care less. And I'm not saying that to be mean. I'm saying that because I'm motivated. Because did you know today in Erie County alone, there's some 280,000 people in this county and over 250,000 of those people didn't go to church anywhere today. And it's not because they couldn't find one. And that, that keeps me up at night. That's my burden. It's like, God, man, how, how are we gonna reach you know, this city, this world, what, what are we going to do? That's, that's the burden that I bear. You have a burden too. There's something that keeps you up at night. And I'll say this before, before we move on to the, the, the next question. Um, sometimes people in the church, you know, they'll call up the church and they'll say, hey, I have this burden. And so you guys in the church, you need to start this ministry. You need to start this initiative. You need to give to this thing. You need to do that thing. You cannot delegate your burden on the church. You can't delegate your burden on the church. Your burden will probably never be my passion. It will probably never be, you know, a lot of people's passion. And if God puts something on your heart that keeps you up at night, you have a responsibility to do something about it. Your responsibility is not, well, I'm going to call the church and inform people of this burden. No, you need to get your hands dirty and follow through with that. Preach, pastor, I will. So don't do that. If God placed that on your heart, man, you do something with that. You do something with that. So all these, all these questions that, that you have to ask, you know, yourself, the fourth one is this, what are my current opportunities? What are my current opportunities? What, 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 what keeps me up at night? And what are my current opportunities? Now, uh, we've said this before, if you're not faithful with what God has given you now, he'll never give you what's next. And we find that to be true in this story, in this parable. If you're not faithful with what you have now, with your current opportunity now, you'll never get to what's next. You've got to embrace what's right now. You've got to embrace the opportunities in front of you. You guys know on, on Saturdays at Sam's Club, we, we call this in my family, we call it Sample Day. And many of you, you call it sample day. You refer it to as sample day. But my wife and I, we see it as an opportunity to feed our family. So we just go, and whatever they're cooking, right? That's lunch, boys, that's lunch. You got to capitalize on the opportunities that are in front of you. And this goes for every Christ follower in this room. Seriously, the, the moment that I met Jesus and decided I was truly going to follow him, I mean, I, I said yes to everything in that moment. I've said, like, people would ask, you know, say, hey, do you want to volunteer and do this? You know, you met Jesus. Yeah, yeah, I'd love to do that. I started helping with, with the youth. I started helping with, with the worship. You know, eventually later on, they're like, hey, you want to lead this song? Yeah, I'll lead that song. Next time, next thing you know, I'm, I'm, I'm speaking to, you know, a group of five students or something like that. And I'm like, yeah, I'll do that. I capitalize on those opportunities. What are the opportunities in front of you? 
And it just kept getting, you know, bigger and bigger. Hey, hey, do you want to come on staff and be, be our youth pastor and our worship pastor? And I had these opportunities. And I remember some of the guys in this room uh, went with me. This is about seven years ago. We went to do a men's camp in Virginia. It was, a, it was an adult rehabilitation center camp for drug-dependent and alcoholic men. And, and we took a band, and we, we did some music, and I got to share a word. And there's about 150 guys there, and like 65-plus guys the first night gave their life to Christ. And I remember having this thought, I want to do this for the rest of my life. I don't, I don't know what else I could do or would do or would ever want to do. And I learned that. I learned that through my opportunities to serve. Like, you don't learn your spiritual gifts just from taking a test or just from, you know, another Bible study. You learn those gifts. You find your gifts by getting your hands dirty, by getting plugged in, by serving. And I didn't care. It didn't matter to me what size platform. You know, I just wanted to tell people about Jesus. It didn't matter if it was five kids, 50 kids. It didn't matter. It didn't matter. I just wanted to be obedient with the opportunities that God placed in front of me. And here's why I say that. Most of us in this church will never embrace our purpose because we'd rather offer God our plans than our hands. You're too busy offering God your plans. God, this is, this is my plan. I want you to come alongside and be a part of it instead of just offering him your hands. And if you want to embrace your purpose, you gotta lay down your plans and offer him your hands. Lay down your plans and offer him your hands. I was thinking about this. And uh, when we first planted this church, we were in Harding School, loading in and out. Uh, about, you know, every so often, every, every week, every other week, and, and Shana and Adam would remember this. They were part of the band then. Uh, we'd have people after church come up to us and say, hey, I'm, I'm gifted at leading worship. I'm gifted in doing music. And we didn't realize it then, but I realized that now what they were saying was, hey, I want to be up on stage. You know, I want to I wanna sing. I can sing. I, I want a platform, you know, to share my gift. And I would always respond to them by saying this, all right, if you want to be on, on the worship, you know, team, you want to be a part of the worship band, we get here every Sunday at 6.45 to load in. You can start there. I think I had one or two people take me up on that. Because they weren't looking to serve, they were looking to, to shine. You have to find that place where you can serve. Like, what are the opportunities that are in front of you? What are the opportunities that you have right now? I'm telling you, when you, when you capitalize on those opportunities, the, the body of Christ wins, you win, you grow spiritually. And I'm so grateful for the people in this church that serve, that, that embrace that opportunity every single week. I'm so grateful for the people that use their opportunity to serve, to serve in, our, in our parking lot, that smile at people coming in. Like some of you tonight, like that might be the only person that smiles at you all week. I'm so grateful for the people that serve right now in our kids area. Because they know that they're not back there babysitting. They're teaching your children about Jesus on a level that they can understand. They are placing a deep anchor of love in their heart so that one day when they decide they want to walk away from the church, they can't because they're so rooted in the foundations of the faith. 
Like they're back there doing that now. I love that. I'm so thankful for them. I'm so thankful for the people that, that, that came and, and just kind of welcomed you tonight. The people that are gonna help out with our, our youth ministry as we get ready to ramp that back up in the fall. We have an army of leaders that are looking to raise an army of students in this city that are gonna be world changers. I'm so thankful for them. They found that place. They've, they've embraced that opportunity. And here's what I wanna tell you. If you're here tonight and you've never done that? You've never embraced your opportunity to serve in that capacity? The body of Christ is fine. It's you that isn't growing. It's not about getting something from you. It's about something for you. And when you serve, you become more like Christ. You got to embrace the opportunities that are in front of you. Embrace your opportunities. So all, all these questions, uh, and there's one more. All these questions, um, you know, you got to ask yourself, what is it that, that, you're, that you enjoy? What is it that you love to do? What is it that you're, you're good at, you're great at? What are your, you know, the, the burdens that you have that keep you up at night? What are your opportunities? None of those questions matter. None of them. Until so you answer number five, and that is this, who am I going to live for? Who am I really going to live for? I want to finish reading the story. And this really is the saddest part of the story uh, in, in verse 19. And I want you to kind of get focused on how many times the word master appears. It says this in, in verse 19. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five Master, he says it again, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. See, everyone's generally blessed, but he was specifically blessed. And he capitalized on the opportunity that he had. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. By the way, that's the goal of every Christian in this room. That's what you want to hear. When your day is done, when you're standing face to face with God, you want to hear those words, well done done. Way to go. Way to use the gift that I gave you. Way to capitalize on your opportunities. Way to make a difference in the world. Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. The man with two bags of gold, same outcome, came to the master. He said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I've gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Come share in your master's happiness. Again, he just wants you filled with joy. He wants you to find that joy. Then the man who had received one bag of gold, master, he said, I knew that you're a hard man, harvesting where you've not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid. And I went out and I hid your gold in the ground. See, here's what belongs to you. If you finish reading that story, you'll find that the master with that guy, he's mad. Like he calls him a wicked and lazy servant because he's not, he didn't do anything with the opportunity in front of him. Didn't do a thing with it. He said, you wicked and lazy servant. And then he has him thrown out. And the Bible says you'll be thrown out where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. That doesn't sound good. But here's what I want you to see. All three of these guys declared him as master. 
all three of them. But only two of them demonstrated by their actions that he was master. See, it's not enough to declare that God is master, that Jesus is Lord. You have to demonstrate it as well. And you demonstrate it by embracing the purpose that God has given you, by discovering that gift and by using that gift. Again, many of you, you already know what it is, but you've been distracted. You've been sidetracked. And tonight, maybe again through God's word, that that light bulb just comes on for you and you realize, all right, I'm done. This, This isn't right that enough is enough, I've had all I can stand and I can't stand no more. And you do something about it. Others of you, you might seriously need to go home and pray and ask God to break your heart for what breaks his heart. And again, watch out because he will. He'll reveal that to you. He'll reveal that to you. It's not enough to declare him as master. You gotta demonstrate that he's master. Would you bow your head with me tonight? And just take a moment, take a moment, create space maybe in your heart and in your life to respond to what God is speaking to you. Maybe, maybe you're one of those people tonight that I said, you you came through these doors, you're far from God, you haven't put your faith in Jesus, you're just checking this whole thing out. Here's what I want to say to you, that God loves you deeply and desperately. The Bible says that he's patient with you not wanting anyone to perish, not wanting anyone to fall away, that he's patient with you. And here's how you know he loves you, because once again, here you are in church, and again, he's speaking through this message to tell you again how much he cares for you. That you were not unplanned, no matter what someone said, you're not an accident, no matter what someone said, that you were fearfully and wonderfully made, that he created you, that he knit you together, that he's designed you with a purpose on purpose. And the way you begin to live that out, and you just decide to surrender your life and follow Jesus. And the way you do that is through prayer. And if that's you tonight, I wanna lead you in that prayer. I wanna lead you in that prayer that says, Jesus, take my Life. You can whisper this to God. You can, you can say it out loud. God knows your heart. He knows where you are. Say, Jesus, today I give up. I'm tired of living for myself. I want to live for something greater. Jesus, I want that full and abundant life that you promised in your word. And so today, I just lay it all down. Jesus, I accept that payment that sacrifice that you made on the cross for my sin. And so today I'm asking you to forgive me and make me new. Live inside of my life, God. Help me to follow you step by step every single day. I trust Jesus for my salvation. Say that again to him. Jesus, I trust you for my salvation. And I confess you as Lord with every head bowed, every eyes closed, no one looking around. Today, I just wanna acknowledge you. If you made that decision, you made that commitment to God, would you just raise your hand wherever you are in this room? You're not gonna be alone. You're not gonna be alone. That's so good. That's so good. Just keep it up. God bless you. God bless you. That's so awesome. God bless you. God bless you. You made the best decision of your life today. 
saying, Jesus, take my life, take everything that I have. Let me just pray for those of you that raised your hand. God, I pray that you would continue to draw them to you, continue to have that, that God encounter in their life, continue to help them experience freedom from the areas of their life that, that are gonna be a struggle now on this journey to let go of and help them to run after you full force, God, with everything that they have. Thank you, Jesus, for this new life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, church. Let's celebrate big. That's worth going after it. Praise God. Praise God for you. That's so good. We are always encouraged to know that God is using Elevate to bless people's lives. If you have a story about how God is working in your life, share your story online at elevateerie.tv.